But more than that, he had run onto Keane's blade. Keane felt the cold, honed steel sink deep into flesh, then grate against bone, and then through deeper elements. And he knew that it was done. He stepped back, pulling his blade as he went, and watched as Simpson's body slumped to the ground. Then Morris was at his shoulder. James, James, quick, we must get away from here. Come, now! And so in what seemed an eternity, they turned and left as fast as they could go, slipping on the wet grass and making for the light through the clearing, towards the horses and away from the two men crouching over the body of the man who had been Lieutenant Greville Simpson. Chapter One At a thousand yards, the figure of a single soldier appears as no more than a dot shimmering on the horizon, a regiment of men as a solid block of black. As they draw closer, though, it is possible to make out the detail. At six hundred yards, you begin to see the individuals who make up the column bearing down on you. By four hundred yards, arms become visible, and upright muskets tucked hard against shoulders. But on this fine May morning, it was not until they were at two hundred yards that the sun caught the bayonets of the French. Standing in his position in the valley below a small Portuguese town, Keane knew to wait. And wait. Keane looked at the advancing Frenchmen. A hundred yards. He could see their shakos now, with the brass eagle plates and the tall bobbing yellow plumes of the voltigeur above blue uniforms and the white cross belts. And behind them, the mass of the column. Drums beating, colours flying beneath a bronze eagle. He could hear their shouts, too, half drowned by the insistent patter of the drums. He spoke again, calmly, precisely. Take aim. One more look as they drew closer. Seventy-five yards. Until he was able, he fancied, to smell the bastards' garlic breath and look into their eyes before they died. Then, fire! Eighty muzzles flashed into life, fizzing and cracking as hammer fell on flint and flame and smoke spouted from eighty barrels. Keane looked on and watched as the French were hurled back, men falling and jumping, plucked by the musket balls to dance like marionettes. He saw their second rank walk over the bodies of the first, trampling the fallen, dying voltigeur as they dragged themselves through the dry grass, now stained red. The commands were given again, but they were not needed. Keane's men knew what to do now. This was their time. The wad was bitten, the ball spat down the barrel and rammed home. Then the carbines were at the shoulders again, and again they cracked out and threw the clouds of white smoke that filled the field and choked the throat. He watched more Frenchmen fall, and as he looked on, the column stopped. He had known it would. Ten years of war had taught him to expect nothing less of the British soldier. The French were changing now, moving from column into line, desperate to loose off a volley. But it was too late. Keane's men were already loaded. The third volley, in less than a minute, crashed out, and the French officers died where they stood, even as they shouted at their men. And then it was over. Keane saw a colonel topple from his horse, and then the bastards were turning, 
Another volley hit them as they went, and the eagle fell, to be gathered by a fresh pair of hands and hurried to safety in the rear. Keane's men gave a cheer. One of them, wiping the gunpowder from his mouth, turned to him, smiling. "'They're running, sir!' "'That they are, Thomas. But they'll come again before the day's out. Won't they, Sergeant?' "'They will, sir, if I know they Frenchies. They'll be back just as soon as they can.' Keane smiled. "'And we'll see them off again, shan't we, lads?' Another cheer, and then a cough from behind him. King turned to see the figure of a senior officer, wearing the navy blue frock coat favoured by many of the staff. He recognised him at once as Major Grant of the 11th, a man already renowned for his bravery throughout the army, and wondered what business he could have here in the firing line. Lieutenant Keane, Sir, you are relieved of your command, forthwith. King looked at him.